Hey everybody, this is Pastor Cor Chavis. Thank you so much for checking us out today at Truth Chapel's podcast. If this word has blessed your spirit or encouraged you, take a moment and leave us a quick review. Also, check us out at truth-chapel.com or any of our social media outlets, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. God bless, and I pray you enjoy. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 10, I want to read for you that scripture. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 10 says, Wherefore the rather brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. Just to give you a little background, um, years ago, in reading in my personal devotion time, I read these four words, ye shall never fall. It, it spawned something in me. It spoke something to me so deeply that I had to stop everything and go back and find out what these things are. Because Peter declares that if I would just do these things, that I would never fall. I mean, I was raised in a concept of we are humans. We are, you know, we're always going to fall. We're always going to come short of the glory of God. We're never going to be perfect. And we're, we're going to just live a constant life of falling and getting back up. And you've heard me say it before, but we even sing the song about it. We fall down. We get up. You know, we fall down. We get up and we, we, because that is a cultural concept that, you know, we're always falling. Man fell in the garden. We're always falling. We're always going to fall. But Peter says in second Peter chapter one, verse 10, if I do these things, I shall never fall. Interesting to me, interesting to my spirit. So tonight I want to talk about these things Now may God and his blessing to the word. And you may be seated. And if you if you have uh, uh, if you're taking notes, uh, I would encourage you to take notes. I would encourage you to um, follow along because I, I, I want to point these things out to you that Peter speaks about in Second Peter chapter one. He tells us in Second in Peter chapter one and verse four that we have been given exceeding great and precious promises and by these promises we might be partakers of the divine nature Uh, now what he's saying there is that through these promises these great and precious promises we have the opportunity to be like Jesus anybody want to be like Jesus let me ask you again anybody want to be like Jesus don't be like me be like Jesus Don't be like the church. Be like Jesus. Don't be like your favorite preacher. Be like Jesus. Amen. That's what he's saying here that we might have the opportunity by these precious promises to be partakers in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now watch where verse five begins, because verse five is going to begin us on a concept of these things. Verse five says, and beside this, giving all diligence, 
add to your faith virtue and add to your virtue knowledge add to your knowledge temperance add to your temperance patience add to your patience godliness add to your godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness add charity that's those are eight things look at your neighbor and say eight Say, say it again. Say eight. Now, you may say, well, seven is the Lord's favorite number, perfect number. Seven days in a week on the seventh day, the Lord rested. And I agree that seven is the perfect number. But eight is the number of new beginnings. You have seven days in a week and the eighth day begins a new week, a newness of life. That what Peter is telling us here, that there are eight things to live a life of newness, to live a, to live a life not only of completeness, but to live a life of newness. That if I would do these eight things, that I would add these eight things into my life, that at some point I can walk in the newness of life and that the old man would be gone and there would be a new man. And I, I could literally stand and say, I am a Christian, that I am like Christ, that I have added these things into my world, added these things into my walk with God, added these things into my life, and I now am walking in those things. Watch verse 8. He said, for if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, last week, we spoke about being fruitful. I want to be fruitful. That when the seed is sown into my life, I just don't want it to just grow, but I want it to grow and I want to produce fruit from that seed. That the true, the, the true maturity of the seed is not just a root, but the true maturity of the seed is a fruit that as that I'm, I'm taking root because I want to one day bear fruit that I, I that being being rooted and grounded is great, but it is not the final product that the root in my life needs to lead to the fruit in my life. Amen. Somebody you may know a lot of doctrine, but do you have fruit? You may look good, but do you have fruit? I spoke last week about Jesus going to that fig tree and it was so beautiful and so grand. And Jesus was so excited because he was hungry and he wanted some figs. And when he went to the, the, the tree, he realized that it just looked good, but there was no fruit hanging from it. And he cursed it and it died because he said, you tricked me. You looked the part, but you had no fruit. That if these things be in you, you will be, you will not be barren and you will not be unfruitful, but that you would bear and grow fruit. And watch what he said in the next verse in verse nine. He said, but if you lack these things, you are blind and cannot see afar off. But, but more than that, he said, and you forgot 
whoever doesn't, whoever lacks these things is blind, cannot see afar off, and, and they forgot that they were once purged from their old sins. Sound like church folk to me. Who got a good root? Forgot that they were once a sinner and looked good, but got no fruit. Blind, can't see, forgot, for, forgot where they come from. This may be a good opportunity to bring up what everybody's been talking about for the last month, Kanye West. Everybody mad at Kanye because he want to be called Jesus King. People calling me on the phone, what you think about Kanye? I got people sending me messages talking about what you think about Kanye. Not one, not two, I'm talking about like 10, 12, 15. What you think about Kanye? Everybody want to know what court, what you think about Kanye? I'm going to tell you what I think about Kanye. Y'all need to leave Kanye alone. Let that man love on Jesus. Just, you don't know his stuff. You in the head. See, when people start talking about what, all this and all that, you forgot that you was once a sinner. I'm like, well, you should hear his old stuff. Well, you should hear my old stuff. Let's, let's, let's get your old life and play it on the record and see what your old stuff is like, too. If we're not going to listen to somebody because of the old stuff, then we don't need to listen. Nobody need to listen to none of us because we all got old stuff. You just didn't record your old stuff. He recorded it. At least he's saying the name of Jesus. I, I, there's a whole lot of gospel rappers out there. You can listen to the whole album, not hear Jesus one time. We, don't, we forgot. We forgot that we was once in trouble, that we was once bound, that we was once, well, we was once have some, have some, some junk in the trunk, that we got some skeletons in the closet. Amen. Watch this. Let me give you two, two biblical. Can I give you two biblical precedents? Let me give you two. So the first one is this. Disciples come to Jesus. They say, you know, read it in, 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 in the New Testament. I got time to break it all down. But watch the disciples come to Jesus. They say, Jesus, we were over in the market and there were some people over there preaching your name and we don't even know them. They're not with us. Should we go shut them down? Jesus said, wait a minute. Now, tell me what they were saying. Oh, they were talking about you. They were talking about Jesus. He said, so, so, so they were preaching my name. He said, yeah, he said, leave them alone. That's what Jesus said. He said, leave them alone because if they're not against me, they're for me. You may not know them. You may not. But, but look, you, you stick with me. You, you, you let them do their business and you stick with me and we'll do our business. But leave, don't, don't, don't try to shut them down. As long as they say in my name, as long as they preach in my name, then they're, they're fine. That's one biblical. You know, I like to be biblical. You know, some, some of y'all like to be cultural. But let me just be biblical. Right, I'll be biblical a little bit here. Second biblical connotation is this is that Peter said, try the spirit, try it. And he said, and matter of fact, let me tell you how to try it. This is how you try it. Every spirit that declares that Jesus Christ came in the flesh is of God. Every spirit. Now, that's not what I said. That's not what the denominational manual said. That's what the Bible said. He said, this is how you try the spirit. Are they saying that Jesus Christ is king? Then it's of God. May not be your flavor. May not be right down your lane. But as long as they're proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ, it's of God. He said, but every spirit that denieth 
that Jesus Christ come in the flesh. That is the spirit of the Antichrist. There go two real, real good biblical connotations. And I got a whole lot more. You want to see me afterwards? That's just two. I like to give two because the Bible said out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let a thing be established. Okay, I'll give you three. God, see, y'all don't believe me. I'll give you three. There's three Ananiases in the New Testament. One Ananias, though, who I like a lot. God comes to Ananias in a, in a vision, in a, in a dream. He says, Ananias, I need you to go over to a street called Straight. There's a man named Saul of Tarsus. Lay hands on him that he might see and do my ministry. And Ananias said, well, hold up. Do you know Saul? Do you know his old records? Because Saul was, was fighting us and he was against us. And, and Saul was, he was persecuting the people of God. And we should just shut Saul down. I don't want to go, you know, over there with him. He, he is, he is, he's filthy and wretched. But nevertheless, at that word. And Ananias, at the behest of God himself, went over and the Bible says when he found Saul, he laid hands on Saul and the scales fell off of his eyes that he might see. And he went from being Saul to Paul and had the greatest effect in ministry that has ever been seen on the planet. So that's three witnesses. Hmm. And Kanye got a song called Lay Your Hands On Me. Maybe we should stop talking about him and lay hands on him. He actually asked for it in his song. He said, don't kick me out. Just lay hands on me. Biblical connotations. Just, you know, just throwing them out there. He said, if we don't have these things, if we don't, if we, if we, if we don't have these things, that, that it's easy to become blind and, and it's easy to, 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 to forget that we were once troubled. So let me start here tonight, and I'm not going to hold you long. I'm not going to get through all of these tonight. Well, I'm not doing eight tonight. Y'all calm down. Calm down. Some of y'all are like, eight? You got eight? Well, I'm, I'm leaving now. No, just stay, stick around. I'm not going to do all eight tonight. But let me begin with the first one. He said, add to your faith. So faith is where it begins, right? Somebody say faith. faith. Say number one, number one is faith. faith. You cannot even please God without faith. For if you come to God, you must first believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You can't even you can't even start without faith. Faith is where it begins. Faith is when I believe. And and, and what does the Bible tell us about believing them that believe and are baptized? So if I have faith. You know, somebody said, well, uh, well you know, it, j- just saying faith is, is, is not enough. You know, but what does faith entail? If you believe, the Bible said those that believe will be baptized. So this is where it begins. You believe that God is. You believe that God is real. You believe that Jesus died for your sins. You get baptized in Jesus name. You get filled with the Holy Ghost by the evidence of speaking in new tongues. These signs shall follow them that believe. They shall cast out devils in my name. They shall speak with new tongues. That's not what I said. That's what Jesus said. So faith is where it begins. Can I tell you this? Faith is where it begins. It is not where it ends. Believing is not full salvation. It's where you start. Someone said, well, 
I believe that salvation begins at faith. And you are right. It does begin at faith. I, I believe that salvation begins at faith. But nobody ever got a medal for beginning a race. The reward is not in beginning. The reward is always in finishing. He's the author and the finisher of my faith. So my faith, my faith is where I start. Your Bible is bigger than Acts 2.38. Your Bible is bigger than John 3.16. Your Bible is bigger than 2 Timothy 3.16. We take these scriptures out of the Bible and we build an entire religion around scriptures. But you cannot give me a crumb and tell me it's the loaf. Faith is the beginning. It's where it starts. Do you believe in Christ? Thank you, Jesus. Good for you. It's what pe- people get confused because Paul, when, when, when Paul and Silas were in jail, y'all remember this, Paul and Silas in jail, they pray at midnight, sing praises, jailhouse rock, earthquake happens, the doors fly open. This is like Acts 9 or, or uh, somebody help me. It's like Acts 9 or, or Acts 11 or 12, somewhere around in there. I, right now my mind is slipping me. Um, so, so Paul and Silas sing praises, the, the jail door opens, they're about to leave, they see the guard about to stab himself, they say, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, we're all here, don't kill yourself, he says, I, I can't believe this, now if you go to the beginning of that chapter, the Bible says that Paul awoke, and there was a man from Macedonia who said, Paul, come and help us, and Paul believed that immediately that he would endeavor to go to Macedonia because there was great revival there and he needed to preach to them. But the, but the only people in the whole story is two women. One lady named Lydia, who was a seller of purple, and one little girl, a damsel who was full of the devil. The first man that Paul meets is the, is the guy in the prison cell. And in his vision, there was a man. So this is his revival right here. The reason that God called him from where he was to Macedonia is so he would be in the prison to meet a man. Amen. That's a whole other message. So he says, what must I do to be saved? And Paul says, just believe. Well, you can't take the story of the Philippian jailer and make a whole religion about it. Well, he told, he, he, he told him in Acts 16, he said, he said just, just believe. I mean, so all you got to do to be saved is believe. That's what Paul said. No, Paul is saying that believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. He didn't say believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you are saved. He said you shall be saved. If you continue the story, they went to his house, they ate, they, they sang praises together. His whole household was baptized. Yeah, the Bible says they sang praises because he didn't believe at all. So he had to believe to begin. That's Acts 16. Watch Acts 19. If you want to build a religion around that moment, don't build it around the Philippian jailer. Build it around Paul because the story is not about the Philippian jailer. The story is about Paul. What does Paul do in Acts 19? He runs into 12 men who already believe. They don't need to believe. They already believe. He said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Somebody say faith. 
Faith is where it begins. Have you received the Holy Ghost? They said, we, we don't even know that. We haven't even heard of a Holy Ghost. He said, well, how was you baptized? <laughs> he said, we were baptized into John's baptism, baptism of repentance. He said, oh, awesome. High five. Let's get some water and we're going to do it again. But this time we're going to do it in Jesus name. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when Paul laid hands on them, they all received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Somebody say faith. Faith. What must I do to be saved? Believe and thou shalt be saved. Not believe and you are saved. Faith. You have to believe. If you don't believe this, you can't get this. If you can't believe this, you can't get this. That's why Paul said, I wish that men would, would, would lift, hand, lift holy hands everywhere, pray, and lift hands everywhere without wrath and doubting. That word doubting means talking to oneself. Because you have to have faith. And if you doubt and you talk yourself out of it, you're going to be in trouble. There's a lot of people that come to God, but they talk themselves out of it. Is this real? I don't believe. I don't know. You don't have to believe. You have to have faith. There's a difference. He said, believe. He didn't say no. He didn't say, know God and you shall be saved. He said, believe in God and you shall be saved. There's a difference. There's some things that I don't know, but I believe it. Do you believe in gravity? Absolutely. Who can break it down for me on on the molecular structure? Nobody. Exactly. I believe it, but I really don't know it. I mean, if you gave me a mathematical equation to what gravity is, what, what, the, what the force of gravity is, I'm lost. When you said math, I left the room. But I believe in it. Do I know it? Who can know God? But I believe in him. I don't know. I don't know. He's way, his ways are far above my ways. His thoughts are way above my But I still believe in him. I have faith. I trust in him. And you know what? Every time I put my trust in him, he's never failed me. Everything that I believed about him has come to pass. Every time I put my trust, that's faith. That's where it begins. That's where it starts. Yeah. You can't even you can't even say you're a Christian if you don't believe. You got to believe. But you can't say that believing is everything. He said, add to your faith. Virtue. Virtue. That once you, once you have faith, once you, once you believe, once you've been baptized, once, you, once you've gone through the things that faith requires, because you just can't just believe, but those that believe will be baptized. It is a declaration of your faith. Then he says, add to your faith virtue. Somebody say virtue. Virtue is moral goodness. It is a general morality. Watch this. A lot of times when you see people come to church and and they first come to God and they first really get that touch from the Lord and they're on fire for God. One of the first things you see happening in their life is just they want to do right. They don't even know how to do right. But they just have a general and a moral goodness. You know, they automatically feel bad about lying. They didn't feel bad about lying before. 
But they came to church. They believed in God. They got baptized in Jesus' name, got filled with the Holy Ghost, and all of a sudden, I can't do that no more. I've had people come in, 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 this, in this building, in, in, in this church, come to me and say, Pastor, you know, man, I, I've, been, I've, been, I've been trying to stop, you know, cussing all the time. I got, I got a potty mouth. I'm just trying to stop. Well, why? When's the last time Pastor taught a 12-week series on don't curse? Never. It's just when you get the faith in you, you start to want to do right. Man, Pastor, I got the Holy Ghost on Sunday night. I went home on Monday. I poured my liquor down the, down the drain. I threw my pills out. Who told them to pour the liquor down the drain? Where was the 12-step program on throw your pills out? It, it, nobody had to tell them that. When you get that real Holy Ghost, it's going to make you want to do right. Ah. <laughs> That's what the old folks used to say. I got that real Holy Ghost and it made me want to do right. It made me want to live right. It made me want to talk right. It made me want to, it just made me want to do something good. It made me, it made me love everybody. I didn't even like this person, but I got the Holy Ghost. I had to forgive him. I said, man, I, I don't even know why I like you now. Come back, Pastor. Man, I tell you what, I got the whole, I, you know what, I quit dipping snuff this week. Y- y'all show me the sign in this building that says Christians can't dip snuff. It ain't here. It's just something inside of you that says, you know what, this isn't right. I feel like this is not for me. I, I, and, I, and nobody told me to do this. N- nobody laid it out. Nobody said, if you want to come to this church, you got to do this. And you want to come to this church, you got Nobody told me those things. It just When I got God down on the inside, there was a moral goodness that came over me. And I didn't want to cheat. I didn't want to lie. I didn't want to smoke. I didn't want to cuss. I didn't want to run around on my wife. Just I just wanted to do good. I was apologizing to people. I was forgiving people, I, people I didn't want to forgive. Found myself call, calling people that I hadn't called in years and saying, man, I, please forgive me for being an idiot. And I, I'm sorry. Nobody told me to do those things. It was just when that real Holy Ghost gets down on the inside of me. Oh, that real Holy I don't, I don't know what you got, but I got that real Holy Ghost. Just make you want to just do right. Make you love your neighbor. Just it's virtue. This, this, there is an attachment of virtue to faith. Add to your faith virtue. Virtue is almost like almost immediate. You, you know that God is really in your world when, when you want to do things that nobody's even told you to do. There's been no lesson. There's been no program. There's been no, no, no steps to how to. You just want to do it. Those are. Those are convictions that God is coming in your life. And, and, and when you feel that goodness, that, that general morality, that moral goodness is just, I, I want to do right. I want to I, I go to church. I, you know, you know and, 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 and even if my church ain't having church, I'm going to go somewhere else. I want to go to church. Got folks running around going to church all over the whole world. It's because they want to go to church. Pull up YouTube, watching, preaching after preaching after preaching after preaching, just getting the word and you're getting the word and you're, I, don't, I don't even know why. I just want to hear that word. Just that virtue that flows from the touch of the hand of God. I'm going to do one more and I'm finished tonight. Faith, that belief in God, virtue, 
a moral goodness. He said, add to it. Now, this is us. We, we are adding to this. It, it, the, the only one that I even feel that comes along naturally is virtue. I feel like faith and virtue are a natural first and, first and second step. I feel like you don't even fight for it. And the reason is because of the experiences that I've had with people. People come and they get the Holy Ghost, they get baptized, and they automatically start changing things before the pastor can even tell them to change stuff, you know? It's almost like a natural step. But as we, get, as we go forward from virtue, I feel like this, this now is, number one, it's on us as individuals to add to our faith, right? We're adding on to our walk with God. We are maturing in God. So we're adding on. And I believe that these next step is, is, is really dependent on us as individuals. But it's also dependent on us as a church as we disciple people to understand there is a process of discipleship. And, and, and if we get out of order, if we try to take people from one, two to six. We hurt people. You ever heard of a, you ever heard of a herbicide? You know what a herbicide is? A herbicide kills, it, it kills plants. But do you know how herbicide kills a plant? You might know how a herbicide kills. You see, they spray herbicide on cotton. They'll come out of a big plant, have a big cotton field. And they'll come by at a certain time after that season, and they'll spray that entire cotton field with herbicide. The herbicide sends a signal to the root of the plant, and it tells the plant, you are more mature than you really are. The cotton plant will grow almost overnight. Within the next couple days, it will grow past its maturity. It will produce the cotton, and then it will die. It produces fruit before its time. If the cotton plant was allowed to just grow on its own, it would grow, it would produce fruit, and it would continue to. But the herbicide, the spray, the herbicide matures the plant past its prime. It tells a young plant that it's already grown just so we can get the fruit. But when the fruit is picked off an immature plant, it dies in the ground. Are you hearing what I'm telling you right now? Our religious culture is full of herbicide because we want people to get in and produce fruit immediately. But when fruit is picked from an immature plant, it will die. How many saints do we know? That we could all sit around here and tell stories of that came in, fired up, on fire, and we tried to get them to go too fast. And the, the first bit of fruit that was pulled from them, they died right in the ground. And we don't even know where they're at today. Backslid, lost, gone, gone crazy. But they were here, they were on fire. Woo! And we was firing them up, pulling them along. And we, the church, was putting herbicide on them, maturing them before we took them through each step of growth. If you follow the steps of growth, then you can produce fruit. Fruit can be cut from you, and you can continue on and on and on and on and on and on and on. Hallelujah. 
Here's the thing about producing fruit is that when fruit is pulled from you, it is a pruning process. It hurts. Oh, here what you have to know is that when you produce fruit and fruit is pulled from your life, it takes from you. Ministry is not easy. I wish I had some ministers in the room that would agree that ministry is not easy, that, that, that this isn't just something I'm doing because I don't got nothing better to do. This is a calling. And when fruit is pulled from you, it hurts. And if you are immature and you serve in ministry, it'll kill you. Ministry has claimed many lives. Because of herbicide. We took them from one, two to, to seven. One, two to six. One to five. Watch number three. First is faith. Second is virtue. And I'm closing with this tonight. Third is knowledge. Somebody say knowledge. Knowledge. Under, listen, the, the word knowledge in your Bible simply means, it simply means understanding of religion. Do you understand this religion? I'm not religious, but this is a religion. Yeah. By definition, this is a religion. There are rules to this religion. I'm not a religious person, but this is a religion. And if you don't understand what God loves and what God hates, And if you don't understand why you have moral goodness, if you don't understand the whys, then we can't tell you the what's. We have had a whole generation that has been taught what and never been told why. Listen, do not throw out the what because you don't understand the why. And we got a ton of folks that have thrown out the what because nobody ever told them the why. The what was good, but they just never knew the why. And why don't we do that? And why don't we go there? And why don't I listen to that? And why don't I wear that? And why don't I have this this attitude? And why? 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 Why do I have to forgive? And why? As maturity begins to grow in a Christian's life, one of the greatest questions they're going to have is why. And a church that is not able to tell why is in trouble. This is why. We have to have knowledge. Knowledge is the why. Knowledge will keep you when nothing else will. When you have knowledge and the pastor gets up and, and, and says something that may go against your culture, you can still handle it because you understand the biblical the biblical connotation is always countercultural. This Bible does not fit your culture. Not even a little bit. This religion is against this culture. And this culture is against this religion. The two will always butt heads. The Bible says it like this to break it down for you. He says the spirit wars against the flesh. And the flesh wars against the. There's never going to be a time when your flesh is just going to love what's going on in your spirit. 
But if you have knowledge, you understand the Lord is telling us to do this in this scripture. And I can show you why I do what I do. Understanding knowledge. I'll give you just a quick example. Several weeks ago, I was talking to some, some, some newer people at the church. And, uh, you know, just, just, having a, just having a conversation. We're just talking. Nothing, nothing spiritual, nothing really biblical. Just, just talking. And out of the blue, the person I'm talking to says, well, you know, tongues, I mean, I mean tongues have ceased. And, and, you know, I mean, nobody talks in tongues anymore. And now, you know, I, there's that part of you that goes, what? Are you crazy? You know, but you got to have wisdom. And, and so I just said, where does it say that in the Bible? They said, well, I don't know. You know, I don't know. I said, well, you know, obviously, you know, because you was real definite about your statement. Like, where does the Bible say that? He said, well, you know, my, you know, my pastor said that. Okay, and I'm not going to come. I'm never going to come against the man of God. I'm, never, I'm not coming against nobody's pastor. Okay, that's not going to happen. And neither should you. You should be always be very careful. Because if you go, well, your pastor's dumb. You don't close the door right there. Because you don't, that, that man of God may have been in the hospital room with them and they found out they had cancer. Been with them when they buried their child, married their kids, and you called the man dumb. You, now you dumb. So you got to be very careful. Great man, just maybe not, don't have biblical understanding. Knowledge. Now, if I'd have been standing there with no knowledge, I'd have been like, oh, okay, yeah, all right, well, yeah, well, okay, it, yeah, it, it, yep, doesn't exist. But I know the word. And I said, well, where, where did the Bible say that? And they said, well, I don't know, I just, I mean, that's what my pastor said, and he's, you know, he's always talking about it, and the Bible says that tongues cease. And I said, well, you know, I understand where he gets that from, but have you read, have you read it for yourself? They're like, no. No, I never read it. I said, oh, so you never read it? I said, well, that, that's from 1 Corinthians 13, the very end of that chapter. 1 Corinthians 13. And now, 1 Corinthians 13 is the love chapter. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love, is, love does not bondeth itself up. Love, is, love has no envy. You know, it is a, and it's that love. We, we all love the love chapter. This is how that chapter ends if you never read past the love part. That chapter ends like this. It said, listen, where there is prophecy, prophecy shall cease. Where there is knowledge, knowledge shall cease. But, and where there is tongues, tongues shall cease. But charity and love is greater than all. Love will endure. And what it's saying is that love will go further than prophecy. Love goes further than knowledge. Love goes further than, than tongues. That, what, that love is greater than all of those things. I said, but it's not saying that tongues has ceased. I said, matter of fact, let's just turn the chapter over to to 1 Corinthians 14. It starts by saying this. I speak in tongues more than all of you. I mean, if tongues was over in 13, why would Paul be saying that he speaks in tongues more than anybody in the beginning of 14? Is Paul contradicting himself? And these people are looking at the word with me. I got, they got their Bible out. I got my Bible on our phones, of course, you know. Thank God for a cell phone. And they're like, oh, yeah. Matter of fact, in 14, Paul says, listen, do not, do not tell people that they can't speak in tongues. Don't forbid people to do that. They were like, 
Oh, okay. Knowledge. If you didn't have that knowledge, you may have believed a lie. If you didn't have that knowledge, you may have missed out on something that God really wanted you to have. But because you talked to somebody who was seemingly maybe smarter than you, you just took it for face value and you said, oh, oh, oh okay, because you couldn't. That's why when you don't have knowledge and you go see family members who think you should still be doing the things that you used to do, you don't have to do all that. That's a cult over there. They don't have to. No, 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 no. Let me tell you what the word said. Knowledge. This is what what David said this. David said, Lord, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. David was saying, Lord, I poured knowledge into myself to make sure that I would not be at odds with you. I wanted to know everything about you, everything about your word. I wanted to know what made you happy and what made you mad. That way, as I walked in my normal life, I would say, oh, I don't do that because the word said I shouldn't do that. The word said I shouldn't partake. The word said. And if you don't have knowledge, knowledge can let you be in contact with things that you shouldn't be in contact with. And if you don't have knowledge, it could also hold you away from things that are neither here nor there. It's just made up. When you get away from knowledge, you get into a danger area. For years and years and years and years, the culture that I come from, they preached against the TV. The box. It was called the one-eyed devil. Oh, I, I, I can't tell you how many conferences I went to that we preached about that one-eyed devil. And we preached against that TV. You don't watch TV? If you watch TV, you're going straight to hell. Do not pass go. Don't collect $200. Going straight. And we preached it, preached it, preached it. Here's the deal. We preached about the, we preached about the item, but we never preached about the content. We just preached about the, the thing. You know, we, we, we had good intentions. I'm not, I'm not coming against anybody that preached because it was with good intentions because they could see that it, there's coming a day when you won't be able to turn that thing on and not see something that is anti-Christ. But because they didn't preach about content, now you, get, you can't even get on that TV what you can get on this. And so all the Christians ran out and got monitors. I, am, I, am I lying? Or am I lying? I'm telling the truth. Right all the Christians went, we, we, I don't got a TV. I got a monitor. And we was hiding the monitor with the VCR. Then watch every Bible movie they possibly got. Watching VeggieTales in pure awe like, oh. It's just so awesome. Technicolor. We didn't, preach, we didn't preach against content. What we should have been preaching is, is set no evil thing before thine eye. Whether it's a phone or an iPad or a TV. It, if we would have been preaching the word instead of stuck in just the mindset of a thing. The Bible never said a thing. It just said, set no evil thing before thine eye. And now we got people that are okay with setting evil stuff before them just because it's not on the thing that we said we couldn't watch it on. Knowledge. 
understanding. Why am I doing what I'm doing? God, teach me what you love. Teach me what you hate. Let me see it in this word. Show me the way that I need to go. Let me get in my Bible. I, I, don't, I don't want just the pastor to, to preach it, but, but, but let me get in my word and see it. And, and I may see something that even the pastor hadn't seen yet. I say, oh, Lord, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go there. I don't want to be involved in that because I have knowledge. And as I grow in Christ, everything past this point will hinge on the knowledge. If you don't have knowledge, you can't move forward. If you do not have knowledge, moving forward is so difficult. That's why people live in vicious cycles. Because they never catch knowledge and they go forward and they try to do ministry and they get knocked back. And and they go forward and they try to live for God, they get knocked back. Because they don't have knowledge. You need knowledge. You need to grow in your understanding of the word of God. Grow in your understanding of the religion. And as you grow in your understanding, you can grow in Christ. There is a spiritual maturity that can only be received through the understanding of the word of God. Do you understand it? Have you read it? You should not be reading religious books if you've never read the Bible. Why would you read a book? about a book that you've never read i don't care who wrote it i don't care if david bernard wrote it or td jakes i don't care who wrote it have you read the bible first if you haven't read the bible don't read religious books because you may read a falsehood in one book and never know it's a falsehood and now if you know the word you may open that book and go "Mm, that ain't right Er, that ain't right Mm -mm. oh i like that that ain't right Somebody said, well, with these books, Pastor Chavis, I just spit out the bones. But how do you know if it's a bone or not? You got no foundation of the word. And you just out here reading books all about Jesus. And you ain't read the book about Jesus. This is the standard that every book must add up to. There is a standard. And the Bible is the standard. And if you haven't read the standard, don't read other books about the standard. You, you get confused. I've, I've had people come and be so confused. Well, I read, well, Pastor Chavis, I was watching this YouTube video, and this guy just seemed so right. And I was watching YouTube, and I was like, oh, my, oh my goodness. My mind was blown. He was prophesying, and it was amazing. Well, if they had an understanding of the word, they'd be like, mm, that is not even close to being Bible. Sound good, maybe even feel good, but it don't match up with the word. And if it don't match up with the word, it can't be right. God will never send a prophecy that is contradictory to the word that's already written. Matter of fact, he said, if there is a man or even an angel that would come and bring you anything that would contradict, let him be accursed. And the church said, amen. Stand with me. Stand with me. I got to close. I got to close. If you don't stand, I'll keep on going. Somebody say faith. faith. Gotta have faith. Somebody say virtue. virtue. Gotta have virtue. Somebody say knowledge. 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 I need faith. Faith and virtue are connected. They're drawn into each other. And I cannot move forward in my spiritual walk with God if I do not read this Bible. This is everything. Pastor Chavis, I need to grow. Read that Bible. Pastor Chavis, I... 
I, I feel like there's a ministry growing in me. Read that Bible. I, I feel like I got a calling. Read that Bible. Study to show thyself approved. He is not talking to preachers when he said that. When the Bible says study to show thyself approved, he is not talking to just preachers. He's talking to every Christian that reads that verse. Study to show, yes, study the word to show yourself approved. Study it that you can grow in it. Read it every day. Get, when you get a question out of it, ask somebody. If, you get, if you're reading it and you go, I don't understand that, call me. I will talk about it. I would love to share the word of God with you. Matter of fact, when we get that new building and I got all the room I care to, you care to have, we're going to have all kind of classes. And I'm going to have some classes where you can just come in and ask all the questions. And here's the deal. I don't have all the answers, but I, I'll, I'll ask somebody. I'll call somebody. I know, I know a bunch of theologians. And I know a bunch of apostolic theologians. If I don't have the answer, I'll find the answer out. Yeah. And I don't care if it's, where are the dinosaurs? I got an answer. I ain't got time to tell you right now, but I got an answer. How many want to grow? The best way you can grow is getting that word. It is the soil that will change your life forever. If you put your roots down in this church, you will die. If you put your roots down in this word, you will live and you will be fruitful and you will not be barren. And the church said, amen. Can we just give God a praise? Lord, we thank you so much for your word. I pray this word was an encouragement to you today. Thank you again for tuning in to Truth Chapel's podcast. If you have not yet, please take a moment and leave us a quick review. God bless and have a great rest of your day.